0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, on YouTube, and on Twitter. I am Bryson Carver, as always. We are presented by The Grid, and we have got an absolutely jam-packed show for you guys tonight. Uh, sorry for the little bit early starting time, two hours before usual if you're on the West Coast. Starting at 1 Pacific time as opposed to 3, and out here on the East Coast, it is 4 as opposed to 6. But, you know, you know, some things come on in your personal life. I like to call it work, Uh, but let's, let's, it happens, it happens. I I want to do the show live today. Normally in these situations, I would have uh, recorded it in the morning, set it to air at six just to keep the consistency of when you guys normally watch the show. I had to go live today. You know, whenever I could, I had to do it uh, because of those two games yesterday. I got a lot to say about both. going to start with the AFC title game, which was an absolute classic, a thriller down to the wire. Uh, I'll obviously get to Philly Niners. I'll also discuss Kellen Moore being let go by the Dallas Cowboys as the offensive coordinator. And what that says about Dak Prescott, I'll get to that later in the show, uh, as well as the Packers looking to possibly move Aaron Rodgers. In fact, a new report yesterday says... More likely than not, that's going to be the case that he has played his last down as a Green Bay Packer, and you know who knows Jets, Titans, <clears throat> a lot of AFC teams, and an AFC that is stacked with great quarterbacks. As we saw yesterday, you're going to need one of the greats. And while Rodgers is declining, he's still better than what most teams have. Certainly, the Jets and the Titans uh, are concerned. And I will get to that very controversial ending at the end of that Lakers Celtics game. Uh, needless to say, a uh, a change in replay. Needs to occur a change in officiating in the National Basketball Association needs to occur. I will discuss that uh, later in the show because that was was a great game that unfortunately was marred by a as bad of a miss call as you could possibly imagine. But there's no other way to start today's show than with the AFC championship game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas city chiefs who are moving on to their third Super Bowl in five years. Of course, Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback in all five of those years. And in all five of those years, they have at least gotten to the AFC championship game in which they've hosted every single year at iconic Arrowhead stadium, which has never been done before in the history of the NFL. So Kansas city won 23 to 20. And, um, You know, when we talk about great athletes, it doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. It doesn't even have to be a team sport. It can be individual sports, you know, tennis, golf, swimming, whatever the case may be. When we talk about the greatest athletes ever, we're talking about Phelps, Serena, Federer, Tiger. We think about the great individual moments. And even in team sports, Michael Jordan, flu game, LeBron James coming back from down 3-1 against the 73-9 Golden State Warriors team, to break my heart. We think about Tom Brady winning ring number five, breaking the tie with Montana for the most Super Bowl rings among starting quarterbacks with a 28-3 comeback at age 39 years old. All of these different things we think about with the greatest athletes. That, my friends, what we saw last night, out of that Kansas City quarterback who wears number 15. Was one of the greatest performances in the history of the National Football League. Patrick Mahomes on not just a bum foot, or ankle rather, which he injured last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Need I you know, mention that Tracy Wilson reported just minutes before kickoff that that is an injury that normally takes at least three to six weeks to recover from. Mahomes was playing on an AFC championship game eight days later against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Certainly the best fourth quarter defense in the NFL, and we all know that's when it all matters most. He did this without his number one receiver, Michael Hardman. He did this with a receiver in a guy in Noah Gray. Okay, how about this? How about this guy, Noah Gray, who has more tackles than catches. In the NFL. This is who he's throwing to. He has no run game whatsoever. Kansas City runs the ball 17 times. They get a grand total of 42 yards. I'm sorry. They ran the ball 20 times for 42 yards. He is in position against a team that is better than him. Or a a team that's better than what he's got. Against a quarterback that was previously 3 0 against him. And the whole narrative coming this game was Hey, don't look now. Is Joe Burrow better than Patrick Mahomes? A narrative that I laughed off last week. Thought was preposterous. Thought a guy who already has the Super Bowl ring in two appearances, now going on three, by the way. Who has one MVP that's about to be two? We're gonna, it's gonna be official next Thursday night at the NFL honors. Two MVPs, now three Super Bowl appearances with a Super Bowl ring, and arguably the greatest five-year stretch to begin a career in the history of the league. Joe Burrow is still clearly the second-best quarterback in the NFL. There's not a quarterback on planet Earth, not named Patrick Mahomes second that I would not take over, that I, or that, that I would take over Joe Burrow. None. He's a remarkable talent. Dude is maybe the most accurate guy in the league. Moves well in the pocket, is calm, poised, cool, collected. But when the Bengals needed him most, and this has been rare in his brief career thus far in the NFL, and even when you go back to college at LSU, this has been rare of Joe Burrow, that when his best was needed, or when his best was required, he did not give his best. Joe Burrow yesterday, against a lesser defense, 270 yards, okay, not bad, a touchdown, but two costly interceptions. A QBR of 50, which QBR is 0 to 100, so right in the middle, like the definition of average, and a pass rating that was Ugh. below average at 70. Patrick Mahomes, on the other hand, throwing two guys who used to play defense on a bum leg against a top-five defense, completed nearly 70% of his passes. 326 yards, two touchdowns, a QBR of 67, a passer rating of 105. With no running game, with no legitimate receiver outside of Travis Kelsey to speak of. That, ladies and gentlemen, was greatness on display. I'm no Chiefs fan, although I'm wearing this red Under Armour shirt, so it it might appear to be the case. I'm a free agent fan. I'll be picking my team in a, a month's time, but we'll see what happens with that. But I cannot help but appreciate what I just witnessed last night, what all of America just witnessed last night on national television at Arrowhead Stadium, not Burrowhead. And that sort of shifts me to my next point. I said on Friday's show when I predicted this game, and I went with the Kansas City Chiefs, I said, part of it is. Not necessarily that Kansas City's better, because I still don't think they're better. They have three superstars at their position, obviously in Then you have Travis Kelsey, and then you have Chris Jones, who I said on Friday had to have a big game, and he absolutely dominated last night. Had the probably the defensive play of the game late in the fourth quarter, sacking Joe Burrow on that third down. He was outstanding. But I said there's a real Warriors-Grizzlies aspect to this. Now, for the record, Cincinnati has accomplished far more than Memphis has, and Kansas City hasn't accomplished as much as Golden State has, but there's a dynamic of team has a championship in its, in the its rearview mirror in the last few years. Kansas City did win three years ago against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They have the best quarterback in the league very well might be the best player in the league, although I think it's a battle between he and Aaron Donald. I still think Donald is a monster. But be that as it may. You got the championship pedigree. You've got the great coach. You've got your key guys, your your core guys locked into your team, ready to go each and every Sunday. Facing a team in Cincinnati that, yes, while it, its resume can stack up against just about everybody, if we're talking about the last two years, Uh I don't, I don't see the rings. I, I, I don't know. Is it just me or is is Joe Burrow fl- flashing a ring that doesn't have LSU's on it? I'm just I'm just asking a question, just, just ask it for a friend. And when you had all week long, it started in Buffalo when the Bengals beat the bills last week, crushed Buffalo. looked amazing. It was the win of the most impressive win of the weekend in the divisional round. But you've got a player for Cincinnati I forgot it was Mike Hilton, somebody uh, uh, for for the Bengals saying, we're going to Burrowhead rather than Arrowhead. Ooh, well that's that's bolts board material. You've got Eli Apple doing his Eli Apple thing. He's the Patrick Beverly, of the NFL, talking trash when God knows nobody in the NFL. Everybody in the NFL is better backing up their trash talk than Eli Apple. Okay, dude do, do is not a good corner. He gets burned every Sunday. You have Joe Burrow walking into the stadium with a t-shirt that says, apologize in advance. You have Joe Mixon, who, by the way, was like no factor yesterday. He had eight carries for 19 yards and got benched, by the way. Joe Mixon, who's talking about we're the big dogs of the AFC. And Kansas City does not say a word. I said, oh, okay. Okay. You want us? You know, you're going to get us. They had five sacks. It took the ball away twice. Mahomes, as I mentioned, was otherworldly. And Andy Reid out coach Zach Taylor. And I, if I have to hear another Bengals fan talk about, it's the ref's fault. Was it? I mean, I, I thought if you were the big dogs, the AFC, you wouldn't need assistance from, from the Zebras. But yeah, I mean, listen, what, what do I know? What do I know? Most of those calls were go either way. There was not one call where I was like, oh my God, that's obvious. Well, Bryson, what about when they were holding... On the offensive line, when Hendrickson uh, got held and the interior defensive lineman got held, when Patrick Mahomes broke off that one run at the end that got him into field goal range, obviously attack on the uh, the late hit out of bounds, which I feel bad for that kid, by the way. He was very emotional at the game. I feel terrible for him because uh, he knows the mistake he made, and it just, it just sucks for him. Well, what about the holding there? Name the times that they call holding in tight playoff games with 15 seconds left. I mean, it's as if Bengals fans forgot that Skymore returned a punt 24 yards with 30 seconds left. It's as if Bengals fans forgot that Joe Burrow had the ball in his hands twice in the fourth quarter with a chance to take the lead. What did Joe Burrow do? Six plays ended in a pick. Next, The next drive, which ended up being his final of the game, seven plays punt. You're superstar quarterback, and God knows he is a superstar. Which Joe Burrow is. Did not make the plays when his team needed them. Kansas City did. Mahomes did. The most talented quarterback we have ever seen in the history of the National Football League did on one freaking leg. Yeah, they can say whatever they want after this game. Hootay? Day Day going home, as Chris Jones said after the game. I'm telling you, one day I'll do a show, maybe this offseason, when there's not a whole lot to talk about in sports, because we all know there's that dead period, like in between the Super Bowl and March Madness. I'll do a segment on my show, like my five biggest pet peeves in sports. I can already tell you ahead of time what one of them is going to be. Fans blaming refs after close playoff losses. It drives me nuts. I mean, Kansas City got bad calls. They won the game. Ref did you, Cincinnati. Your quarterback did. Your quarterback's the reason that you lost the game. And their quarterback is the reason you lost the game. Because we are seeing the next all-time pantheon great quarterback. If Mahomes continues to do this, ladies and gentlemen, who's to say he won't be the greatest player ever? Will he need seven like Tom Brady? I don't, th- I don't think he's going to get seven. I think he'll get three, maybe four. I don't think he's going to get seven, like Tom did. But a lot of folks say LeBron James is the greatest ever. And he only has four rings to Jordan six. And Jordan doesn't even have the most rings. That's Bill Russell. Bill Russell has almost double the rings that Michael Jordan has. There's nuance when it comes to these greatest of all time arguments. Am I saying Mahomes is in it now? No, I am not saying that. He's five years in. We got a long way to go. But what he's done in his first five years, if he keeps doing this, that's an otherworldly talent we saw on that field yesterday. As I said on this show verbatim, going into the playoffs, it's Mahomes' world. We are all just living in it. And I said last week, there are two quarterbacks in the world that that can care regardless of what you put around them, that can carry your teams. They both played on the field in Arrowhead Stadium last night. Joe Burrow had a beat-up offensive line. Patrick Mahomes was thrown to accountants on the field. Every other quarterback, every other quarterback, you have to put a darn near perfect roster around them to win. Simple as that. I'm about to get into Philly and San Francisco, because that's kind of the situation in Philly, with all due respect to Jalen Hurts, by the way, who's you know playing really well. But every quarter, I don't care who it is, whether it's Lawrence, Allen, Lamar Jackson, um, uh, Dak Prescott, doesn't matter who it is. Derek Carr, you have to put a perfect roster around him. Matt Stafford last year, perfect roster around him. Because no quarterbacks in the world, outside of those two that we saw last night at Arrowhead Stadium, can carry you, regardless of what's around them. And what Mahomes did last night, folks, was one of the greatest things I've ever seen an NFL quarterback do. That was, that was inspiring. It was. I'm not even a Chiefs fan. That was insane. Hats off to the Kansas City Chiefs. They are going to the third Super Bowl in five years. Wow. I mean, I, there's there's certain athletes, folks, you run out of words for. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, athletes that I've covered on this show since I started back in 2019, uh, you know, LeBron, Brady, Steph. I mean, like, there's just certain there's certain athletes you you run out of adjectives. You literally, like, when when I hear, I've heard so many people that have commented on YouTube videos that I've done or, you know, hit me up on social media. Man, you, you overhype these athletes too much. Not me, just the proverbial you, like, or, or we. Like, we hype certain athletes up too much. We don't hype this. You, it's impossible to overhype Patrick Mahomes. It's impossible. It's, I mean, I'm out of words, man. Now, Mahomes... And the Chiefs will face the Philadelphia Eagles, who, by the way, as we sit here today, Monday, January 30th, 2023, Philadelphia is a two-point favorite in the Super Bowl. That feels appropriate to me. Uh, I was texting with a buddy of mine after the game. I said I would be shocked regardless of who wins the AFC Championship game if Philly isn't favored. I think Philly's the best team in the NFL. I think they've proven that from literally from the jump. From week one all the way to now, they're in the Super Bowl, and that's part of the reason I picked them to win against San Francisco on Sunday although I did not see that coming. Now, a lot of that had to do with the fact that the 49ers I'm telling you, man, you know, it's it's there's there's a very there's a delicate balance in the NFL. Niners as I have said a lot this year have the perfect roster. Like they're literally good everywhere. <laughs> Running back Tight end, wide receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, secondary. Heck, they got a great kicker. They got a great coach. The one thing that they don't have an elite uh, guy at is quarterback. Now, Brock Purdy had been playing elite, and who's to say that if he didn't get hurt early in this game, that he wouldn't have certainly given them a better opportunity than they have with Josh Johnson, or at times, they had to put Christian McCaffrey in at quarterback. Uh, for, you know, wildcat plays. Do I think the 49ers would have won had Brock Purdy not went down? I have a hard time seeing it. I do. But when you talk about, a, I don't know if I've seen a team in recent years that just bullies you up front on both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive line, quite like the Philadelphia Eagles do. I I really have it. Off they've got the best offensive line in the league. We we've known that for a long time. That's that's just watch the Eagles for a half and you could say okay, yeah, they're, they're their offensive line is, is separate from everybody else in the NFL. By the way, they have the most rushing touchdowns in a single season including the playoffs, 39 since the 1962 Green Bay Packers when half the teams couldn't complete a forward pass. That's how dominant the Eagles are in the run game with their quarterback, with Miles Sanders, who's a pro bowler, uh, with that one kid, uh, what's his name, Uh, Barnwell, I think is his name. I hope I'm getting his name right, number 14 for the Eagles. Um, Getting big splash plays down the field to A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith made that incredible catch, which we, of course, saw after the commercial break on Fox was not a catch, Uh, which hats off to Devontae Smith, having the heads up, having the, the wherewithal, like, get up get to the line, and let's get the snap-off before the officials can replay it because if they do, they're going to call it incomplete, which would have given the ball back to San Francisco. Instead, it was 7-0 Philly, which, by the way, another fan base that was blaming the refs, the 49ers, okay, we'll take a touchdown off the board. You still lost 24-7. to But with Philadelphia and with Jalen Hurts, and, and, you know, am I a former Cowboys fan? Yes. Did I officially... I say cut ties with Dak Prescott. I'm still a Dak fan. But did I officially sort of uh, distance myself from the Cowboys entirely to officially choose a new team in a month? I did. That doesn't mean I like the Eagles. And that definitely doesn't mean that I, I, I like their fans. I, I cannot stand Eagles fans. They made a fool of themselves last night in the city. But the organization, absent of all the craziness, I don't know if there's not that many teams in the NFL that have better organizational structure than the Eagles do. The Chiefs do. Chiefs have it, which is appropriate that those two teams are in the Super Bowl. I think the Niners do. But you know what I love about the Philadelphia Eagles' upper management? I love it. Jeffrey Lurie is one of the better owners in the NFL. He's not high profile. He's not, you know, grandstanding, if you will, doing press conferences. He makes the business decisions, he cuts the checks, and he delegates all the football decision-making to Howie Roseman, who is one of the two or three best general managers in the whole NFL. What he did this past offseason, which so many teams could learn from. Okay, we've got a quarterback we like. Like Jalen Hurts had a, a pretty good year last year, right? 2021, he was pretty good. We got to the playoffs with him but we're like, there's certain things we're not sure about. So what did the Philadelphia Eagles do? We are going to surround him with so much talent on the offensive side of the ball and add to what was already a pretty good defense so that we have no doubts one way or the other whether he is our guy moving forward. It's As I I always say, the Bill Parcells rule. Bill Parcells, one of the greatest coaches ever, had the best way of evaluating quarterbacks. Give him three years. The first year is a developmental stage. You're transitioning from college to the NFL. It's a speed difference. It's a lot. It can be overwhelming for most guys. Like Brock Purdy's, guys like that are very rare. Year two, though, you need to see a pretty solid jump from year one. And if by year three, you're still not sure if he's the guy, you cut bait and you move on to the next one. It's It feels like that's what the Eagles mentality was. Like, okay. got this Devontae Smith kid out of Alabama last year that we really like. We're not sure if he's a number one receiver, though. Let's let's make his job easier. and Let's make Jalen Hurts' job easier, obviously. Let's go get A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans. Who who cares about a first-round pick? He's not going to be able to help us as much as A.J. is right now. Go get A.J. Brown. Defensively, they go get James Bradbury. Reinforce a secondary that already had Darius Slay. They get that Gardner-Johnson. Uh, 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 yeah, Garner, Garner Johnson from, uh, uh yeah, CJ Garner Johnson from the New Orleans Saints to shore up the secondary even more. I admire this team, I, I, or the organizational structure at least. And then Nick Sirianni, who, do I think he's a limited head coach? I really do. I do. We all remember two years ago, his opening press conference was a disaster. He was stumbling over words. It looked like he was reading off a darn teleprompter. It was awful. And I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. And to start his first season, it wasn't working at all. They were three and six. They were really clunky offensively. He wasn't doing a good job calling plays. So what did Nick Sirianni do? He said, okay. I know what I am and what I'm not. I'm going to delegate all of my play calling responsibilities to my OC. And the Eagles haven't looked back since. And Jalen Hurts hasn't looked back since. Now, do I think that that shoulder is a cause for concern going into the Super Bowl in two weeks? Yes. And it's, you know, these two quarterbacks both are dealing with serious injuries going into the, into the Super Bowl. Mahomes with the ankle, obviously, and Jalen Hurts with his shoulder, who we've seen. He just doesn't look the same that he did before the injury. Like, m- remember I said during last year offseason, because I was very, very skeptical on Jalen Hurts. And one of the reasons why was, I said Jalen Hurts' deep ball, I said it died in the air. Like, it's one of those deep balls. It's not one that's like a a Justin Herbert deep ball or a Josh Allen deep ball that beautifully comes out of the air and nose-dives into the receiver's arms. No, Jalen Hurts' deep ball comes up in the air and just falls almost. It looks like it's literally falling from the sky as opposed to gliding down into the receiver's arms. You're seeing that now with Jalen Hurts again, which you didn't see before the injury. So the shoulder has a lot to do with it. But you talk about, I mean, get Jalen Hurts had a, a QBR of, of 64, which is solid. Um, the Eagles ran for 148 yards and four touchdowns. They know what they are. From the top on down. How, uh, I'm sorry, Jeffrey Lurie knows what he's good at and what he's not. Howie Roseman, same thing. Nick Sirianni, same thing. Jalen Hurts, same thing. I respect it. I mean, that's play into your strengths. You know, the Eagles, and I hate to say this because I still don't like the Eagles even though I'm not a Cowboys fan, but the Eagles could, you know, can teach us all a good lesson. Don't be anything other than what makes you great at whatever you're great at. Don't deviate from that. Sure, change. I mean, listen, we got to evolve as people. We understand that. We got to get better. But whatever makes you great, the, the the core principles of that, stick with it. Stick with it. That's what the Eagles did. Um, 49ers will be back. 49ers have maybe the best roster in the NFL. At quarterback, we're not sure. Again, I think Brock Purdy would have, a healthy Brock Purdy rather, would have been, certainly given him a shot. But I don't know. The way this Eagles defense was just flying all over the field, the way that they were you know, able to stop the run with Christian McCaffrey, outside of that one drive, Niners willing really to get anything going. Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely not the answer to win a Super Bowl, at least. He's a free agent. We'll see where he ends up. Maybe Vegas, maybe the Jets. Who knows? Trey Lance, who you guys know I was head over heels uh, uh, for coming out of a 2021 draft. He can't stay healthy. And when he is on the, it's almost a little bit Tua-ish. When he is on the field, you're like, ah, it's it's have all this talent around him. Like, he's not like, he's not, he doesn't blow you away with anything. Josh Johnson, obviously, God bless him. He's 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 been he feels like he's played for every team in the NFL. This is his 15th year. And I think this is like his third or fourth stop in San Francisco alone. He started this year with the Denver Broncos as Russ's backup. Uh, obviously he's not the answer. Brock Purdy, I, I love him. I think they should bring him back next year. Um I mean, listen, I do I think he's the guy long term. Yeah. The only thing, and it's what concerns me about Bryce Young coming out of this year's draft, his size worries me. I mean, in today's NFL, how many how many quarterbacks that are under six one are panning out? How's Russell Wilson doing? Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Drew Brees at the end of his career. Like, there's not that many. It, it, it's few and far between. I mean, Mahomes, you know, six. What was is, is Mahomes six three. Josh Allen six six. Justin Herbert six six. Uh, Burrow six three. Trevor. Uh, I, I think I already mentioned Trevor. Trevor Lawrence is about six six. Like. All the best guys are are big athletes, so that's that's the only thing that concerns me about Purdy. Everything else, I love. He's mobile, uh, he's fairly accurate. He seems to be really coachable. Has really galvanized that locker room. It's going to be very, very, very interesting to see what the Niners do this off season. Brady will be available, and this you know, of course, famously he was available three years ago, and the Niners said, "Now nah, we'll pass. We'll stick with Jimmy Garoppolo," and that's obviously a decision they they come to regret significantly, but the only thing about Brady now is obviously he's kind of lost his fastball. Although I still think he's a fringe top 10 quarterback, even at age 46, which he will be next season. And by the way, we don't, we don't need enough Tom's playing. So we'll see. But the Niners offense, forget the Niners, Kyle Shanahan's offense. You look at in San Francisco, back to Atlanta, back to Washington has always been predicated off of quarterback mobility. Even Matt Ryan, who we now look at as like a statue. You look at a lot of those Atlanta plays when he won MVP, by the way, he was using his legs a lot, getting outside the pocket, making plays. Brock Purdy can do that. Tom really can't. So at quarterback, it's gonna be very fascinating to see what the, the 49ers do moving forward. But as for uh uh as for the Eagles, hats off. He's he's they're outstanding. Love their organizational structure. Barry Grant Jr., all even podcast. What's up, Barry? He says, now Howie Roseman is good? Three years ago, fans wanted him gone. They lucked out with Hurts, which made them be able to spend in other places. Miss me with all this Howie Roseman praise, LOL. It's awful. I mean, I don't know how you can hate on him, uh, Barry. They And again, Jeffrey Lurie knew what he had in this guy. He built a Super Bowl winning team in 2017. He built a team that's gone back to the Super Bowl. I would not say they lucked out with Hurts. I, I completely disagree with that point because they traded Carson Wentz after the 2020 season they went out and got Gardner Minshew and then Hurts beat him out. So, like, okay, we got something here. And they did. It's not like Jalen Hurts was like a six round pick, it's not like he was an accident. He was a second round pick. There's been a lot of great players come out of the second round. So, they take Jalen Hurts. They develop him again, developing the talent. Listen, Jalen Hurts is never going to be Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. He's he's not. They play to what makes him great. He uses legs. He's, he's improved drastically over the offseason as a passer. Um. Yeah, I, 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 honestly, I cannot disagree with more with your Howie Roseman point, uh, Barry. Uh, but one point, <clears throat> excuse me, I do agree with with Barry. He says the only thing I like is two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl for the first time ever. That is awesome. We had the first uh, all black coaches matchup back in Super Bowl forty. One. Yeah, Super Bowl forty-one, which I always remember as the Prince Super Bowl when he was playing Purple Rain in the rain. But you had uh, Tony Dungy for the Colts versus Lovey Smith of the Bears. Uh, so this is, no, this is this is a remarkable Miles. especially, if I'm not mistaken, the first black quarterback played in the NFL exactly 100 years ago in 1923. Now in 2023, we have our first uh, black Super Bowl, uh, black quarterback, uh, 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 quarterback Super Bowl matchup, which is, is awesome. I just hope that the both of them are, are healthy. That's the thing. Hertz is a beat up shoulder. Mahomes is a beat up ankle. If they're both ready to go, I mean we what I love about this Super Bowl what I love about this Super Bowl is that you've got two different ways. With the lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. With the Chiefs, they've got a really good roster with a generational otherworldly talented quarterback. For the Eagles, they have a very good quarterback. I'm not going to go to elite yet. I need to, I need a few couple of years to see elite. I'm not going to crown elite after just one year, but excellent quarterback in Jalen Hurts with an elite roster. Stacked roster versus best quarterback or quarterback that can carry you, which would have been the case even if Cincinnati had won the game last night. Like it's it's the two ways to build a Super Bowl team, and I love it. it. it's great. And I think we're in for a good Super Bowl. Like I said, Philadelphia is a two-point favor. I think that's a totally fair line. Uh Philadelphia's beating their playoff opponents 69 to 14. And you know, you might say, well Daniel Jones they played Daniel Jones and Josh Johnson in the playoffs. Yes, well, Daniel Jones just outdoed Kirk Cousins the week before that, and I don't think Daniel's better than Kirk. And I mean, we can hate Kirk Cousins all we want, but he's not better than Daniel Jones. Or he's, he is, he's definitely better than Daniel Jones. And then you've got Josh Johnson, sure, but that's a Niners defense that the Eagles made look silly. Silly. Niners defense gave Geno Smith problems. They gave Dak Prescott problems. They didn't give Jalen Hurts a single problem. More of that was what the Eagles did than what they didn't do. We're in for a great Super Bowl. No question about it. I I can't wait. I can't wait for the build up. Uh I hope, hope to get a lot of guests. I try to get as many guests on as possible in the week in the couple weeks leading up to the Super Bowl to get predictions and whatnot. It's gonna be it's gonna be outstanding. Arizona, which by the way, as I keep saying on the on the show, I've said it all season long, said it in the preseason. That stadium, State Farm Stadium, has had arguably two of the five best Super Bowls ever. You had that Giants Patriots Super Bowl, where they, I think the Giants won 17, 14, I think. With the Eli Manning game-winning drive, the helmet catch, beating the undefeated Patriots as a huge underdog, and then you have the Patriots beating the Seahawks 28-24 on the iconic Malcolm Butler interception, uh, which to me is the greatest Super Bowl of all time. This is, uh, I think, we're in for a good one. No, I, I think, I think we are. I think we're in for a very, very entertaining Super Bowl. Not to mention Rihanna's doing the halftime show. Like it, it's, it doesn't get better than this. All right. NBA topic. Only NBA topic of the show because it's uh it is definitely a relevant NBA topic. So Lakers Celtics which is historically the best rivalry in NBA history. It's one the spans since like the 40s and the 50s if we're going back to like uh Elgin Baylor, obviously you think about guys like uh Bill Russell. I mean it's th- this is this is the pre- premier rivalry in the NBA. Uh, And they faced last night. They faced uh, about a month ago at the Crypto.com Arena, which the Celtics won. It was crazy. Celtics were up 20. Then the Lakers were up 13. Then the Celtics came back and tied it in regulation, and they went on to win it in overtime. And they won again in overtime this time around at 125 to 121. And the play that everybody's talking about, game is tied. What is the score? Uh, What's the score at this point? Game is tied 105-105 with 4.1 seconds left. And I'll, sorry for the podcast science, but I'll play the footage. Here you go. So, Schroeder's inbounding. Here comes LeBron, wide open, catches the ball, drives to the basket, misses a layup, or so it appeared at least. LeBron is going absolutely ballistic. I thought it was a foul lie, but I'm like, okay, let's, let's see this. Like, I've never seen LeBron act this angry at a, at a missed call ever during an NBA game. He, I mean, he is on his knees pissed off at the rest. Here you go. Drives past Brogdon and gets literally s- s- hammered by Jason Tatum, which forced him to miss what would have been a point-blank layup. There you go. LeBron's driving slow-mo. Whack. Right on his, right below his wrist. Which, of course, forced, it was in no way, shape, or form. I mean, Tatum, I think it got credit for the block, if I'm not mistaken. I think Tatum got credit for the block. No, he didn't. No, okay, on the stat sheet, it just says LeBron James misses driving layup yeah, okay. It's hard to make a layup when a guy is literally grabbing your arm. I mean, that is that is as bad of a call as, as you could possibly imagine for the Lakers, for LeBron James. And of course, they went on to lose the game. Again, sort of back to the ref thing, which I'll detail a little later in the segment, but not now. The refs aren't the reason the Lakers lost the game. There's plenty of other reasons. One is there's not that good of a basketball team. But this is LeBron James. This is national TV. there. you see LeBron is just absolutely. I mean, beside himself about this miss call, you can see why it's, it's, it's as bad as it gets. And the play happened right in front of the ref. It'd be one thing if the ref had a bad angle, which I if that were the case, I'd say, well, you, you need to be in better position to see that play. But I mean, it, if that's not a foul driving the basket, I've never seen a foul driving to the basket. And it was so bad that the, the referee association literally came out on Twitter that night. They didn't wait till the morning. That night and came out and said it was an egregious mistake. We missed that. No ifs, ands, or buts. And this is, you know, uh, there's been so many people that have criticized LeBron over the years. LeBron, when you get the ball with a chance to win the game, why do you shoot like a fade away? Or why do you shoot a three? Why don't you drive to the basket? That's why he doesn't drive to the basket. Because he, n- <laughs> it's amazing. To me, And I tweeted this after the game. or I don't know if it was after the game, but it was definitely after the, the play happened. It's amazing to me that the two most popular and most iconic players currently playing the NBA, LeBron James and Steph Curry, cannot buy a whistle. But guys like Luka, who's to me the third best player in the world. I love Luka Doncic. He's outstanding. You touch Luka. He's going to the free throw line for two shots. But you hack LeBron, you act, you be physical with Steph, you can do whatever you want with them. Again, it, for them to miss this is as inexcusable as any missed call I've ever seen. Like this is the only sports example I can think of, like off the top of my head, like in recent last five years, because there's there's egregious calls going back decades, but the this is probably the worst missed. Called by an official in any sport since the missed pass interference in the Saints Rams game. Remember, I mean, remember that end of the game, minute and a half left, Drew Brees throws the pass, guy gets absolutely clobbered, gets hit helmet to helmet right as the ball is getting there. Like it's, it's, it's textbook pass interference and unnecessary roughness for that matter, late uh, or not late hit, but a helmet to helmet, and there's no flag. Like, again did the Saints lose because of that play no they're playing they have plenty of opportunities as did the Lakers on Saturday night. Here's my solution. Cuz so as I always say, we 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 get mad about something happening, what are we going to do fix it. But here's the solution for uh for the NBA. They review possible flagrant fouls, which I have no I know I have no problem with that. Why can't in the last 2 minutes of a game, if we can review if the ball goes out of bounds, If, uh, or or, sorry, not if it goes out of bounds, who it goes off out of bounds off of, if we can review whether the shot was a two or a three, if the guy's toe was on the line or if his toe was barely behind the line, if we can look at all these different things or say a guy, if he got it off before the shot clock expired or before the buzzer sounded lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli, I guess, uh, in my dentist's office. In the last, I'm not talking about 48 minutes because those then then we review every foul and games would go from two and a half hours to three hours and 15 minutes. That that would be bad television. Nobody wants that. But the last two minutes of games, we should be able to review fouls. I mean, the NFL they that you know they review uh, they did that thing where they just reviewed pass interference, which I hated. I'm like why why just review pass interference? Why don't you review roughing the passer? Why don't you review holding? I mean, there's I mean, there's plenty of things you could look at. Um, But if the NFL reviews essentially everything, if baseball reviews whether a guy was safe or not, why can't the NBA review foul calls? Because that's as obvious as it gets. LeBron James has has built up too much equity to drive to the basket on the last play of a nationally televised game, Lakers-Celtics, Get hacked on the arm and get no call. It's egregious for anybody. I mean, it, it it it'd be egregious for you know Nate Robinson if Nate Robinson will still play in the NBA. But for LeBron James, this this it's unacceptable. That this is as bad as it gets. And then you have Patrick Beverly, which this is hilarious. I don't have the video of this, but I'm sure you guys saw it. Patrick Beverly. 30 seconds to a minute after the clock expires in between the commercial breaks, uh, or during the commercial break going to overtime, Patrick Beverly walks over to the official with a camera in his hands. I guess he, you know, one of the, the social media managers lent it to him. I don't know. Goes up to him and he's showing him the video and the ref seem pretty uh, irritated by that. Listen, was that a technical foul? It was a technical foul. Like that's, but... I I see what I I love what Patrick Beverly did. And I'm I'm not a Patrick Beverly fan at all, but I loved it. It's like, dude, how how do you miss this? If nothing else, blow a late whistle. LeBron LeBron James, look, listen, people complain, oh, LeBron complains about too many calls. Luca complains, which I would say Magic complained about calls back in the day. Like, guys, star players complain about calls. It's just part of the territory of being an NBA official. But If nothing else, LeBron... I mean, LeBron reacted immediately. Let me pull up the tape again, okay? Here you go. Here's the play once again. So LeBron catches the inbound uh, off a bounce pass, drives the basket. Immediately, as soon as his feet hit the floor, is going crazy about that miss. How many late whistles do we see all the time in the NBA? We see a guy gets... You know, uh, you know, goes for a layup. He misses it. A team grabs the rebound, gets out in transition. Beep, then the foul, Then the whistle's blown. We don't love it, but if we go back and replay, like, okay, that was the right call. They waited too long to blow the whistle, but at least they got the call right. That that had to happen on Saturday. Night. As soon as LeBron went in the air, as soon as his toes touched the basketball court, he was going nuts, holding his arms, saying he got he got whacked. Like as soon as LeBron hits the floor, okay, I'm I'm blowing I'm blowing the whistle there, because LeBron I LeBron does not react that way after missed calls ever. That you knew it was bad when I thought watching live it was a foul, but when I saw LeBron react the way he did, I'm like, okay, there's no way he didn't get absolutely hammered, and he did. It's 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 as egregious a missed calls I've ever seen in in, in a basketball game. It's 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 unacceptable. So NBA. They won't do it this during the season because they're not going to make a rule change in the middle of the season, which is fine. But this offseason, last two minutes of games, you should be able to review fouls. You should. If it's in question, you should be able to go to the monitor. And and again, I've always been one to complain that that reviews take too long. Yeah, I remember there was a game in the Western Conference Finals two years ago, Clippers-Suns. It was game two, I think, in the last, like, Three minutes of the game took 45 minutes because there were so many reviews and the reviews took forever and they reviewed every single play. It's like, okay, did it go out of bounds or not? If it's inconclusive, stick with the original call. Now that was definitely not going to be inconclusive. As soon as the refs went to the monitor, they were going to see Jason Tatum waxed LeBron James' left arm, two free throws for LeBron. That's got to be a change that it makes. Now, it look, is it the reason the Lakers lost the game? No. No, the Lakers' late-game execution was was terrible, per usual, which has been all season long. They, they're up three. They fouled Jalen Brown on a layup. It's, it's well understood. If you're in the last 10 seconds of a game, you're up three. If your opponent goes for the quick layup, back off. Give him the layup. It can't hurt you. You're still up by one. You can call timeout and advance the ball. You can again get it in bounds, make two free throws. Now they still have to. Now you're they're back to square one with less time. Like bad situational execution. Westbrook was awful with the turnovers in in overtime. Uh, LeBron set up shooters plenty of times in position to make shots. They couldn't make them. I mean, it, it, yeah, there, there's plenty of reasons the Lakers lost. Uh, it wasn't just that missed call. But that said. This is, a, I don't know if LeBron's still the face of the NBA, but he's still darn close. I don't think he's the best player in the NBA anymore. I think that his belongs to his longtime contemporary, Steph Curry, shortly followed by Giannis Luka, then LeBron. But he's, he's built up too much cachet to not get that call. I'd be pissed if an average player who averaged five points a game didn't get that call. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That, it's un, that's un, I'm not somebody who criticizes refs much. Because my, my thing is like missed calls are going to be baked into the game. Just like missed shots, missed assignments, bad throws in the NFL, uh, you know, missing a block. Like refs are human just like players are humans. With that said, that's not, oh, that's just a mistake. That's a mistake that is absolutely unacceptable. You cannot make as an NBA official. You can't. No other way around it. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what happens moving forward with the uh, with, with 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 the NBA as, as it pertains to to reviewing fouls. I hope they do, and not just reviewing shooting don't don't just review to shooting fouls. You know you can review flagrants. I have no issue with that. And something else too. Last thing before I move on. Of the three, I, I'm not I'm not a hockey fan. I, I may get into hockey one day. I've tried so hard. I've tried around like 2019 to get into hockey. I just I just couldn't do it. Maybe I will one day though because I, I, I hear that the fan experience is as good as there is in sports. So I'd, I'd love to experience that. But of the three major American leagues that I watch, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NBA has the worst officials by far. To me, the NFL is the best, baseball second, and... I mean, really, the only thing the NFL struggles with is roughing the passer. Once they, If they clean up roughing the passer this offseason, then they're fine. Like, they're really good at what they do. Uh, Same thing with Major League Baseball. NBA, they're still good. The calls like Saturday night and the thing that makes me want to, oh my gosh, it drives me crazy. How easy it is for you to get a technical foul nowadays. You could say one colorful word. Just, I mean, you know that magic word, what it is. And they give you a technical. They're not directing it necessarily at the official. Heck, I've seen guys get thrown out of games for yelling at teammates. For getting mad with teammates. See Steph Curry last week. He went mad at the ref. But the ref threw him out of the game. Draymond Green was mad at James Wiseman a couple years ago. Got thrown out of the game. I mean, you, you, you you know, do that to the ref. If you roll your eyes at a ref, they give you a technical foul. It's like, to me, you should have to earn a technical foul. It's, technical fouls should be like, okay, there that's that's just uncalled for. You can't do that. Like if you're getting in the ref's face and you're cussing uh, cussing them out or you're you know if you make contact with the ref, not, I mean, I remember jJ Reddick got thrown out of a game a couple of years ago for bouncing the ball too hard towards a ref. Like really, really? that's that that's worth a guy getting tossed out of a game that 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 bothers me more than anything. the how quick the refs, it's 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 as if like they have a chip on their shoulder. Like get over it. It drives me nuts when when they just especially star players too. To me, a star player especially, whether you like it or not. I mean, listen, we we go to we go to American Airlines Arena to watch Luka Doncic. We go to Chase Center to see Steph Curry. We should go to Crypto.com to see LeBron James. We go to the road arenas. We go to road arenas to see the star NBA players. They it should take more for them to get a technical foul than it does a role player. I'm sorry, it should. They're the reason we tune into these games. I mean you want to watch the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis? Are, are you paying League Pass to go to 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 watch the Bucks on TV or on your phone or wherever if Giannis isn't there? I think the, I think the refs should take that into account. Back to the NFL. I'm telling you, I cannot avoid the Cowboys. I I can't. Like it, it's just that they're, they're always and that, but you know what—that's what Jerry jo- Jones loves. He—he—he loves—he loves his team being in the news. How about them cowboys? Yeah! How about them cowboys who just fired Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator, yesterday, or as the statement goes, mutually agreed to part ways. Which I don't know. I—if I ever got fired, I wouldn't agree. Yeah, you know what? I should be fired. You're right. You're right. That I hate. That's I love. Maybe I'll add that to my pet peeves list. Mutually agreed to part ways. Which that doesn't that just apply to sports, obviously. But I, I I don't know. I just get a kick out of it every time I see that. But anyways, Kellen Moore mutually agreed to part ways with the Dallas Cowboys as their offensive coordinator. And reports out of Dallas are that now Mike McCarthy will call offensive plays. Now they'll still hire an offensive coordinator. Here's what it says to me. And Kellen Moore, by the way, literally less than 24 hours after getting you know, let go by the Cowboys, just took the job to be the LA Chargers office coordinator with Justin Herbert. So we'll see what happens there. Here's what we're going to find out. Is what Jerry Jones, is, or not what Jerry Jones is doing, what Mike McCarthy is doing, because Mike McCarthy is the one who made the decision. It's some shock that Jerry allowed him to do so. But what Mike McCarthy is essentially saying, it's on you, Dak. It's on you. Like, Dak was obviously had an up-and-down season. And if, you know what? Again, I think the playoffs were a perfect representation of how, kind of how Dak was out of this world against Tampa Bay and terrible against the 49ers. That, that's kind of how Dak's season was. Now, the notion that that's who Dak is, I think the numbers would prove quite otherwise. But be that as it may, like we can do that another day in another another show. But this feels like the Cowboys as a whole saying, okay, we don't love Kilmore's Moore's play calling. I, for one, I, I mean, watching the Cowboys' offensive film makes me want to run my head through a wall because how many times, folks, how many times have I said on this show, why does Kellen Moore love curl routes? Like when in doubt, third down and 10, he, he loves those seven, eight-yard curl routes with Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz. He loves them. I don't get it. It takes absolutely no creativity. Guys don't get open half the time. But he's he's married to it. Um, here's the thing, and here's why I like to see from the Dallas Cowboys. I, I said I would have liked to see him do it last offseason. They didn't, but this offseason, DeAndre Hopkins is available for a trade from the Arizona Cardinals. Not only that, this is an NFL draft that is rich with wide receivers, and the receiver I think would be absolutely perfect. I mean. I mean, perfect for what Dallas needs. And you can call me biased. That's fine. Jalen Hyatt from my Tennessee Volunteers can beat you on the outside and is deadly in the slot. Great route runner. Perfect is a hu- Jalen Hyatt today is better than Noah Brown. Un- absolutely. And he'll probably be a mid-to-late first-round pick, at least from what I hear from scouts. I'm, I'm looking at some of these mock drafts. I don't know. I'll probably have to get Mike Guido on the show sometime, see what he thinks about Jalen Hyatt. But he's perfect. You trade for Yandre Hopkins, you go get Jalen Hyatt, all of a sudden, Hopkins, Lamb, Hyatt, now the pressure's on Dak. It's like, okay, we let go of your offensive coordinator. You've got a stacked receiving core. Let's see what you got. By the way, the offensive line, which was awful through the first two-thirds of the the season, looked pretty good the last six games-ish, five, six games. Looked good. Looked really good in the playoffs. Go get DeAndre. Go draft Jalen. And if Dak still can't get it done, now listen, if the expectations win a Super Bowl, that ain't going to happen. Uh, you sign Tom Brady, you go get Aaron Rodgers, you ain't winning no Super Bowl. It's the Cowboys. They're going to find some way to screw it up. If the offense plays well, the defense is going to screw up and vice versa, just like against the 49ers. Defense was amazing. Offense was terrible. You know, they've had plenty of playoff games. Think about that game against the Packers years ago. Offense was amazing. Defense was terrible. Like, it's they don't play complimentary football. They have it for the last 28 years. But they're putting the pressure on McCarthy, Dak Prescott. I don't have an issue with it. I don't. Kelmore's out of the way. McCarthy was known as one of the best play callers in the NFL back when he was the head coach in Green Bay. Well, see if he still has his fastball. Dak Prescott, first six years of his career. Well, take out year two. Year two, I didn't think Dak played very. I think year two is the worst year of Dak's career. But year one and then three through six, he's great. He was one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Last year, the turnovers became a problem. Pocket awareness became a problem. Like, why is it that Dak, these issues weren't a problem going into year seven? I'm sorry, th- these th- these weren't th- these weren't an issue six years in, but they're now a problem in year seven as a veteran quarterback. Well, some of it's fundamentals. By the way, an underreported move. The Cowboys, what they do, they let go of Doug Nussmeyer, their quarterback's coach. So they're bringing a new guy, work with Dak. And again, I think that's part of the reason they let go of Kellen Moore. There's almost a buddy-buddy dynamic between Dak and Keller Moore I mean, there's, they're not that far apart in age. They were teammates for a couple of years. I wonder if they took that into account. Again, I've never been a Kellen Moore guy. I think he's totally uncreative. Um, if that's even a word, uncreative. When it comes to play calling, I think mean, it's terrible. I think we compare it to the likes of Kyle Shanahan. It's not even close. But my thing is for the Cowboys, if you are going to put the pressure on Dak, if you're going to stack up the receiving core, if you're going to give play calling dues to Mike McCarthy, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. My issue with Dallas last year was, and the report came out, Todd Archer came out before the season. The Cowboys front office wants to see if Dak can carry them. And I said, that's ridiculous. Because as we saw, there are two quarterbacks in the whole NFL that can carry you. And they played in Arrowhead Stadium last night. One can carry literally anybody. His name's Patrick Mahomes. Dak is obviously not even, nowhere near Patrick Mahomes. He's nowhere near Joe Burrow. We've seen Joe Flacco win a Super Bowl. We've seen Nick Foles win a Super Bowl. Heck, we saw Matthew Stafford get to the Super Bowl. You see a big gap between Dak and Stafford? I don't. Stafford had one of the best rosters. It's not the best roster in the NFL last year. Jimmy G's gotten to a Super Bowl. If you put the loaded roster on Dak and and he does not improve, because they're not getting the Super Bowl. Forget about that. It's the Cowboys. If he does not show an improvement from last year which just concluded, 2022 season to the 2023 season, then I agree should cut bait. Then I agree, okay, maybe he's not the guy that I thought he was. But last year, dude had CeeDee Lamb, and that was it. Need I remind you, the Dallas Cowboys were 30th, 31th, last in separation. For the record, I think Kellen Moore had something to do with that. He never put the receivers in position to separate. Some of that's they can't separate. Michael Gallup's coming off a leg injury. Noah Brown is a, a five. He's not a three. He's a five. They used him as a blocking receiver up until this year. There's a reason for that. There's a reason he couldn't beat Cedric Wilson because Cedric Wilson was better. Cole Beasley was better. Okay? But put the talent around Dak and he still doesn't come through? You got me. You got me. I, I got nothing else to say. But don't have an issue with this move, I kind of feel bad for Justin Herbert <laughs> that, uh, that they got, that 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 they got a, uh, uh, what's his name? Kellen Moore, but we'll see. John Rivera, that's your cousin, Eloise. Come on, man, not all white people look like John Rivera. Come on, man. Come on, man. Can, I, listen, I'll say this. Grady Grady makes a good point. Grady's not in the comments today. but shout out to him. We were talking a lot over the weekend. I don't see the resemblance between myself and Brock Purdy that much. I really don't. Um I do see the resemblance. That's why I call Cooper Cup twin. I, I I do see the resemblance between myself and Cooper Cup. I really do. Come on, John. John. <laughs> uh He says, uh, you don't have to worry about it anymore, LOL. You're not a Dallas fan. That's, that's the beauty of it. I'm, I'm chilling. I don't have to worry about this crap anymore. It is, you guys don't know. And this is why I respect Cowboys fans. Like this is, I mean this so much. I have so much respect for Cowboys fans for having to put up with this year after year. God bless y'all. I hope y'all get a Super Bowl one day. I really do. It's great, so, but I it is such a relief to not have to not have to put my hopes and dreams into that organization anymore. I'm telling you, it's 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 put years, it's added years to my life. It's, it's like it's been great. Um, yeah, my, my my dad just texted me. He liked what I had to say about Jalen Hyatt because obviously my dad is a lifelong Tennessee fan, as am I. By the way, can I just mention the University of Tennessee men's basketball team is number. Two in the AP poll after taking care of the 10th, at the time, 10th ranked Texas Longhorns in dominant fashion. I'm just saying, man, I i, I got a, I got a natty in my sights. I, I at least got a final four on my sights. If, listen, if my balls don't get to the final four, it's a failed season. I'm just putting that out there right now. If we don't get to the final four, it's a failed season. Great veteran talent, great young talent, Love my Vols this year going into March. Love them. Just got to stay healthy. My man's Akai Ziegler, Josiah Jordan-James, and Kamwa. Love those guys. They're they're, they're doing a phenomenal job this year. Key is a great shooter. You're going to be hearing a lot of these names later down the road once we get to March Madness, because my Tennessee Vols are absolutely legit. All right, moving on to our final topic of the day. It revolves around a team that Mike McCarthy used to coach. That would be the Green Bay Packers, who, according to Adam Schefter, are more likely than not to move on from Aaron Rodgers. And at this point, I'm not sure they have a choice. I think they kind of have to. Now the Packers blew their opportunity to definitively, definitively determine who they should move on from. Because when they were four and eight, and I said on the show the next day, when they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, I said, it's a great day to be a Packer because now you know what you got to do. Now you have an organizational direction. Aaron Rodgers is hurt. He's 38 years old. I think 38, 39 years old. He's had a rough year. See what you got out of Jordan Love. It is, again, back to the Bill Parcells rule. It's year three. If he's, if you're not sure he's the guy, then you trade Love. There's plenty of teams that would like to take Jordan Love and take a chance on him. Just like there's going to be plenty of teams willing to take a chance on Trey Lance when the Niners trade him this offseason, assuming they do. But now, you're not sure. But if you trade Rodgers, now you get a, you free up a ton of, of uh, salary cap space. You hand the team to Jordan Love. You say, okay, it, it's it's your team, man. It's your franchise. You've got Christian Watson, who really emerged this season, had a rough first half and an excellent second half. You've got guys, uh, I think Tunyon's a solid tight end. I think they can upgrade in that position, but he's solid. He, he's fine. He's like in that Dalton Schultz category. Um, that Actually, no, I think Hayden Hurst is better than uh, than, than Tunyon, much better. Uh, but, you know, solid tight end, better blocker. Uh, Than he is a pass catcher. Speaking of running, you've got a great offensive line, and you've got a, as great, as good of a two man backfield as there is in A.J. Dillon and in Aaron Jones. Once, once the guy is higher paid, Aaron Jones, the other guy, A.J. Dillon, still in his rookie deal. Take advantage of that. You could go get a receiver in the draft. You could go maybe trade for a guy again. DeAndre Hopkins is available, although the Packers are not a team known for making big trades uh, in free agency or uh, during the offseason, rather been a free up cap space. You build a team around Jordan Love. You see what you have. I think they need to move on from Matt the Lafleur. They're not going to do that. I, I think his play calling leaves much to be desired. His game planning, in in particular, leaves much to be desired. But now the Packers have a direction. Now, as 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 far as teams that Aaron could go to, I mean, Jets have been the most talked about team. We we've talked about the Jets for a long time now. Like. Like yeah, the Jets got a... I mean, you saw Quentin Williams great defensive tackle for the Jets. I saw him tweet after the game or during the game, during the NFC Championship game, when the Niners were just going through a quarterback carousel with Brock Purdy, then Josh Johnson, then Christian McCaffrey, then Brock Purdy with a, a jello arm because he you know it was injured. He had a big thing of ice on it on the sideline. He literally could not throw the ball. Quentin Williams takes a shot at Zach Wilson on Twitter. Huge shot. He tweets, now Bosa sees what I'm talking about, having get having to play, having to, to play without a quarterback. Which they're like, boy, that's a shot at Zach Wilson, but they're moving on from Zach Wilson, so it doesn't matter. But you add Aaron Rodgers to a team that's got Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, a good offensive line. You know, probably upgrade in the draft or free agency. Maybe go get a guy to, to shore that up, particularly left tackle. Um, who's that other guy they have? Uh On blanket is Elijah Moore. I think is, I don't know, I'm forgetting the other receiver's name for the Jets. That's really good. And then obviously, you've got a stack defense Quentin Williams, his brother who plays linebacker. You've got Sauce Gardner, who might already be the best corner in the NFL after his rookie year. Again, he's he should be this year what Micah Parsons was last year, unanimous defense rookie of the year. It's not even close. With all due respect to Aiden Hutchinson and whoever else was nominated. It's not even close. Sauce Gardner is the rookie of the year by a mile. Unanimously, in my opinion. So, and again, we'll see next Thursday during the NFL honors. The Jets are a possibility. Tennessee makes sense. Pair with Mike Vrabel. Uh, although, I, I'm curious to see how that dynamic would work. We know Aaron Rodgers can be a bit difficult. That doesn't seem like the type of personality that Mike Vrabel would love. Um, Aaron Rodgers, again, you give him the running game with Derrick Henry. I like, I, I think the kid's really talented. Traylon Burks, the guy who they obviously they traded AJ Brown to the Eagles, which was a boneheaded decision. But they take Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I love Traylon Burks at Arkansas, but he struggled to stay healthy. And the poor kid had Ryan Tanhill, Malik Willis, and Josh Dobbs. Aaron Rodgers may be declining. He's better than all those guys put together. So you pair him with Aaron Rodgers. You probably go get a receiver in the draft once again. Maybe you go get one in free agency. Um, you've got a good defense. That's going to get a lot of guys back healthy. And that, the thing about the Titans this year, they were seven and two, seven and three, something like that, and fell apart physically, fell apart. Now, credits to the Jaguars for taking advantage of winning the division. And I think they're going to be winning that division for many years to come, but Tennessee's still a very well, uh, functioning and well-run franchise. So that could work. Uh, again, the reports are saying that the Packers won't trade Aaron to an NFC team. They want to get him out of the conference, not have to face him, but every four years, which that may not even be the case, depending on where he goes, depending on how the schedule plays out. Um, I don't know if her Pittsburgh floated. We know Pitt, uh Tomlin and Rodgers had that like public flirting there on the sideline where Tomlin called a timeout because Aaron was about to get 12 players on the field for Pittsburgh and they kind of wink at each other and grin real big. You know, so you have that dynamic. Maybe that could work, although I think it would stunt the growth of Kenny Pickett, who I like. Um, who else? I'm thinking other AFC teams use a quarterback. I mean, New England could use a quarterback, but that would be a disaster uh, between Belichick and, and Rodgers. Thinking of other AFC teams... That's sad think about the AFC West. Yeah, Raiders is maybe a possibility, but I think they're more intent on getting Tom Brady. Maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think they want to have to give up assets. I think they want to go get a free agent as opposed to having to give up stuff for Aaron Rodgers. So I think they're out of the mix. I don't know. Though. I mean, there's a lot of teams you can float out there. I'm trying to the AFC North. Yeah, I mean, probably Baltimore's probably out of the picture even if they do move on from Lamar. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it just feels like two, three, four teams max that 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 feels like they're in the running to go at Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we just got an update from Adam Schefter. This is tough. Adam Schefter just tweeted: Brock Purdy suffered a torn UCL that will sideline him for six months, uh, per source. So uh, six months from now, that's right around the time training camp starts. So obviously, first of all, prayers for Brock Purdy. Wish him the very best. I I assume he he'll have to go through some sort of. Uh, Surgery to, to fix that. But uh that yeah, definitely press Brock Purdy for a speedy recovery. Didn't mean for that to rhyme, by the way. But it's gonna be again that that quarterback dynamic is very interesting in San Francisco. Because I really like Brock Purdy. I call him Sturdy Purdy ever since he took over. I, I invented that name. The only thing that worries about me is what happened yesterday, which is he's not a big guy and a hit that would injure him wouldn't injure a lot of quarterbacks that are bigger than him and that's why you say again that's why these quarterbacks the Levises and the strouds are so highly touted they're big strong athletes they can take the hits guys that's why i worry about and i love bryce young he's got everything i just worry about whether he can take those that type of punishment um and Schefter just tweeted, Purdy is seeking second medical opinions about whether he needs surgery per source. 49ers are recommending surgery, but no decisions yet. So we'll see. Again, wishing the very, very best on uh, on recovery, on getting that UCL UCL uh, repaired. But it's going to be a fascinating offseason for the 49ers because that roster is so good. It's so good. They just need a quarterback. They get a quarterback, they're set. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Again, earlier show than usual. Got I got to get to work, but uh appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Thursday. This one will be at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific Time. Facebook Live, YouTube, Twitter, and be sure to like, share, comment. Take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big subscribe button right there. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe over. Hold on, let me get the graphic here. Go subscribe to the GRID Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the GRID Podcast Network, which is a new network that I'm a part of. I'm actually wearing the, the grid hat today, uh, which is available uh, on a website. You could you see it on my, see the carving up merch, grid merch, and merch and shows from our other uh, other podcasts on the grid network. Barry Grant Jr., all even podcast. You've got Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. Patrick Brown, the Chaotic Sports Podcast. Alfred Parsar Jr., the Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast. He's got some great content out recently. And the Cowboys Camp Fan Podcast which they, they have a great time. I love those guys uh, out in Canada. So check out The Grid. Subscribe to The Grid on YouTube, and that's where you can listen to my show and the other podcasts of these incredible creators, incredible guys out there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody. See you on Thursday. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to, be sure to take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Playing the rest please thanks so much for watching the show on youtube be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of carving it up live have a blessed day judy was boring hello then judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy <laughs>